available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. And we are actually in the very same room, David. We are staring at each other right now. Mm. Eye contact. It's beautiful. It's it's great. I can see your glorious beard. It's it's big and powerful, right? Can now. I say it's untamed? Is that Un- fair? Extremely untamed. Um, <laughs> it is it is a hardcore COVID beard and uh, significantly grayer and whiter than last time you saw me. It's There's a few. There's a little gray. Oh, it's not a little. <laughs> it's not a little. I would say in the uh, lower half of the beard, it is about half and half. There's a Yeah, that's all right, though. I'm, Chicks like the gray, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. No. I've been told, like, don't color your hair. Like, I got gray on the sides and stuff. They're like, no, nah, don't. They like it. Well, nobody likes that much pepper. It's oh. salt. It's just a lot of, it's a lot more salt. There's salt. a, yeah, very it's half salty. Half salt, half pepper. <laughs> nice. Well, it's really great to be with your salt and pepper beard right in the same room. We're going to, you know, maybe have a beverage or two afterwards. This is great. Maybe. I failed uh, not having it in the, in I, the office. I failed freeloading and not bringing any of my own. Right. Well, you, you know, you bring so much more to the podcast. You don't need to bring beer, too. You yeah, know? you know, I mean, I, I, it's all the planning, the weeks of planning, uh, the storyboarding. Uh, I can't. It's amazing that I draw pictures for this podcast to prepare us, but I feel like you do best with visual aids. Yes. Um. So I'm I mean, not the just, best reader. Yeah. No. It's the. It's the. Uh, <laughs> I, look, let's call it what it is. Years of prep. Yes. Every moment of my life has been spent preparing for this moment right here. Well, I'm very happy to be back in the same room with you, and uh, it's great. If you guys want to get a hold of us, we're going to keep running these shows. We're, the season's going to be here before you know it. we got Pac-12 Media Day coming up in like a month. Uh, that should be fun. Oh, and you've got an email in to me that I haven't responded to. Yes, I asked if you wanted like cover Pac-12 Media Day together. and did what, what did you say in response to that email? Or you did not? Do you have a crickets noise? <laughs> I don't have one. I need one on my... <laughs> Uh, that's something we should do. I think, you know? I think so. Yeah. We should have a booth. I, I would love to have a booth. Well, I've tried to do that in the past. Uh, I will try it again and we'll see if we can get one. We could interview everyone. You know, maybe we'll remember most of the coaches names. I don't know, but hard to know. Yeah. There's a lot of turnover every year. We can talk to them about beer or Disney princesses and stuff. They'll be really, curious. it would be great to ask each coach who their favorite Disney princess. Is. I think get so. Very yeah. meta with it. Are there any Pac-12 coaches that don't have kids? Hmm. Chip what a Kelly, trivia question. Chip Kelly was a recent... He recently, he has no kids. He got married recently, though. I yeah, think. and he had a previous marriage, but I don't think it resulted in children. Okay. So mo- I think most of the coaches have children, so they'll probably be familiar with the Disney princesses. But most coaches are psychopaths and probably have never spent any time with their children. <laughs> Fair. I was, I was at a uh, friend, you know, a uh, sister of a friend's uh, house, and their kids, they have like a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And their their 
hooked on the Moana soundtrack, which I still haven't seen the movie yet. I don't. Do you like that movie? Or is yeah, it good? It's, it's really good. It's, so it's, like hearing it's like the rock. A, it's like a top three Disney movie all time. Wow. Okay. So hearing the rock sing like you're. It was so like you're welcome. Like oh, he seems like a real nice fellow in this movie. Or whatever. He's a demigod or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Maui. Maui. Yes. yes. They love that song. They were dancing to the song, and uh, the the best one is the um, the crab sings. Um, basically, it's it's like a a, a lost uh, David Bowie album. Like the, the the song is amazing. Oh, um, Tomatoa. Tomatoa. Uh, yeah, okay. Listen, listen to the Tomatoa song. Okay. It's, it's like legitimately just good. Like you don't even have to watch the movie. It's just a legitimately good song. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll check out the movie because if you say it's a great movie, I want to see it. It's fantastic. I, I still have Disney Plus that I never use once the Mandalorian's over, so I need to do that. Yeah, get into it. Uh, you you should watch. So like Disney movies, I would recommend like just they're good. You gotta go. You gotta go, Moana. Okay. You gotta get after Mulan. Mulan's really good too, for yeah. like similar reasons. Okay. Well, uh, so Ryan just motioned me to sit closer to the mic. Get closer to the mic. You can move the mic a little closer to you, but you're getting like a little further away. So. Well, I like to uh, be demonstrative. Oh. When I'm recording oh. the podcast. Ta-da. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, all right. That's your Disney princess moment here on the podcast of champions. It would be a show without that. If you want to email us and talk about something else besides Disney princesses, give us some topics, pack 12 podcast at gmail.com. Or you could call or text us. We do have a uh, voicemail this week from our buddy perk. Uh, 424-532-0678 is the number. You can tweet us at pack 12 podcast. David did solicit. He got out. He actually got on Twitter folks and he solicited questions. So We'll get some of those. The website where you can find all the old episodes is packedfullpodcast.com. And over on the Reddit, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I haven't looked at this lately. Hopefully, people are discussing all things Pac-12 football there. Reddit.com slash R slash Podcast of Champions. And more importantly, and we'll see if David's checked this, uh, Apple Podcasts. If you got that app on your iPad, your iPhone, wherever it is, follow us on the Podcast of Champions. Rate us five stars. That would be great. Uh, if you can say whatever you want about the show, crush us in the comments but if you leave us five stars we will certainly read it here on the podcast uh nobody has left us a review in the last uh 12 days i'm very sad sad face sad that's that's a i'll just call it what it is it's bullshit yeah um you know we produce this for you the listener (laughs) and when you don't produce for us the five-star reviews that we covet and and uh and i would say rejoice in Mm. um it makes us upset it's hurtful yeah, no, it's it's an action you are taking against us that I would categorize under the term violence. <laughs> and violence will be met with reprisals. <laughs> you don't want POC reprisals, folks. Yeah, do, you, do you want an hour of Disney princesses that you're <laughs> obligated to listen to? Because that's coming. Yeah, so please get on there uh, on your Apple podcasting app and leave us a five-star review. We love those. Uh, all right, we got a lot. Of, I put a lot of notes in there. A lot of newsy stuff. Um, our buddy, so this is, we got like one week left of uh, Champagne Larry. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> he had one last parting gift for us as he's walking out the door. Don't let the door hit you in the ass, Larry. Um, he made some comments about an automatic bid. He said the Pac-12 supports expansion of the college football playoffs and believes that the auto- the, the Autonomy 5, the Power 5, Championship. So, like, stop you right there. Why yeah. are you doing that, Larry? Why are you calling it the Autonomy Five? Yeah. Nobody does that. You don't need to do that. Don't do it. I don't think I've ever even heard that. Like, I just, like, just, why? it's just, I'm, I'm going to be a pedantic idiot. Like, you don't need to do that, Larry. <laughs> just call it what everyone else calls it. 
But he says that the Power Five should annually qualify for the college football playoff. We greatly appreciate the work, the college football playoff subcommittee, as well as the thoughtful and productive discussions amongst the management committee this week in Chicago. We now look forward to reviewing the expansion proposal more thoroughly with our members, student athletes, partners, and other key stakeholders. Like, Larry, I don't want you reviewing shit. Like, I want you out the door. This is all George Glyovkov's call here. Um, This is a weird one. I mean, like, why are you saying this? You make the Pac-12 look weak. He got crushed. I think uh, Dan Wetzel absolutely crushed him. Um, Wilner was kind of agreeing with him, but didn't think he should do it publicly. I, I don't. I like the way they came up with this. Like, you don't give everyone an automatic bid. Essentially, you get one if you're the Power Five. The only way you don't is if you finish behind two Group of Five conference champions. So that it just seems very unlikely. And if you do, you shouldn't be in the playoff anyway. Yeah, as I said last week or whatever, last couple of weeks when we've been talking about this, that was the one change in the expansion plan that I liked, yeah. which is that they didn't make them auto bids for the Power Five for exactly that reason. Uh, what if eight and four Duke makes it out of the ACC one year? You don't want Duke in the playoff. Yeah, um, you you still want Clemson, right? Like you still want the eleven and one Clemson or whatever it is that lost to Duke. Um, so this is much better. Um, it it prevents that occurrence from happening so very on brand for larry to be completely wrong here um <laughs> and i mean to your point he shouldn't be speaking for the pac-12 at all at this point no like, yes he is still technically in charge but he should be a uh, background like just moving paper making things working right and you know make sure things are flowing correctly for when kliavkov takes over he shouldn't be commenting like publicly he should be saying Hey, um, you know, I know, I know. Uh, in discussions with the Pac-12, we're very, we're considering all of this stuff, and I'm going to leave it to George, who has every bit of confidence from me, uh, to to you know direct us on how we're going to do this. But like setting policy that's in opposition to what appears to be the proposal, yeah. stupid. For it, yeah, it's like you're the outgoing guy, you're not the incoming guy. Unless but- he wanted to argue against expansion, unless and and even then. Only if that was going to be Klievkov's position, which we don't even know what his position is, aside from the fact that he agrees with expansion, correct? Right. Yeah. I don't think we know more. Um, they did the the Pac-12 athletic. We'll get into that. The athletic directors did meet with him to talk about some changes. Before we get into that, like I think it was this is the one podcast. It might have been Pete Thamel that was talking about this, and he he had a theory that maybe the Pac-12 wanted the uh, automatic bid. And instead of having the new guy like sort of take the bullet, they let, you know, hey, Larry Scott, we paid you $50 million the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, I want you to say this on the way out. You know, this is your parting gift to us. So if they really wanted that said, but they'd rather have the old guy say it, then and then they could kind of like, oh, we don't really think that. But they do. Uh, that was one of his theories. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe it is true. But that would require uh, Larry Scott being more of a good soldier than I think my impression of his oh, yeah. general uh, sense of his place in the world would uh, indicate. I would think it's more of there's so many people that are just like, thank God he's gone. It's just, it's sort of like everyone just understands it's a foregone conclusion. Like this is the best thing for the PAC 12. And I, maybe it's just some ego thing. They're like, Hey, I'm still, you know, I'm still I'm viable. Still like you're not like, yeah, you got to go Larry. Uh, but we mentioned those, um, the meetings that the athletic directors had uh, and what they talked about is a lot of strategy for, you know, that go, would go along with this cultural playoff. And I guess a couple of the, the subjects are things we've talked about before 
uh, getting rid of divisions, and that's sort of your Duke-Clemson thing. If you just have the top two teams play, you're much less likely to have an eight and four team like when you're, you know, you're going to have, you know, if there's a 10 to one team or 10 and two team and 11 to one team, one of those teams is going to win. Um, so getting rid of divisions is a, a popular topic. That's, I guess that was discussed in Las Vegas at this AD meeting and also going from nine games to eight. Um, you know, it, it, all the strategy stuff that I, I was a proponent of, and I, I, you might not have been the whole time, but I know a lot of our Pacific Northwest people didn't like it. That's what they're talking about now. And I think if you expand it, like these are all smart moves, but I'm totally, um, I'm, I'm good on uh, getting rid of the divisions. Um, uh, I know a pod system has been bandied about as a potential option, which great. That'd be fun too. Sure. Um, uh, the big 12, I mean, it's getting talked about as if that's an ideal. Remember how much the big 12 was ridiculed for that stupid system uh, when they unveiled it? The, yeah. Top two teams play again, and more than likely, well, they will have played once already because of the round robin. Yes. Um, and more than likely, that would be the case here. I mean, most years it would be that they'll be playing a second game, and potentially it'll be back-to-back. Um, yeah. So there's – and that's not lost in the division things because you do have cross-division games. But um, I don't know. That's that's a uh, – it's, it's worth consideration to maybe um, think about something outside of that model of doing a championship game even. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just uh, the money. I think they're not going to get rid of the yeah, championship I, I, game. I, I'm, I, yeah, but I think exploring that a little bit more beyond just doing the one versus two. But I guess that's the thing is, and this is the unfortunate reality. It's what we were talking about um, last week. Is that all of these moves are done to just in in um, advancing the Pac-12 position for the playoff. Yes. It's no longer about the pride of winning the South, the pride of winning the North, you know, that sort of thing where these like these are meaningful accomplishments for certain teams. I mean, right. Like Colorado, Arizona won having won the South, Colorado having won the South. Yeah. Like these are real things for those teams. Um, and so when Utah, were, you know, won two in a row, like hadn't right. won, you know, division and did. Yeah. So you'd be removing that, which, um, you know, look, it's not that it's not the end of the world because the Pac-10 Pac went a long time without divisions. Uh, but it is a thing that you're losing, and strictly to advance the position of the the league in the playoff. Yeah. Um, and it's all about um, with this potential expansion of the playoff, everything is going to be done to serve the needs of the playoff. Mm. And so I think that's going to reduce some value. And frankly, nine to eight in conference is going to reduce the enjoyment of regular season games because what is that fourth non conference game going to look like? Yeah. It's going to be ass. Like it's going to be an <laughs> assy game. Uh, there's going to be two FCS teams for a lot of these Pac-12 teams, or very low division games. I think Wilner proposed like an agreement with like the Big Twelve or something. It would have to. So the thing is, but if you're doing this, why why bother with that? Why bother with an agreement with the Big Twelve? Just play the extra conference game. If you're just going to add a big a Power Five opponent anyway, right? I would rather it be out of conference though. Like I'd I'd rather not have. The SEC play eight and the Pac-12 play nine. Like I've I've said that forever. But I guess my point is the 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 problem isn't um, playing uh, conference opponents. The problem is playing Power Five opponents. So if if you just replace it with a Big Twelve team, then what are you winning? What are you gaining from it? Well, I mean, if you if everyone played a Big Twelve team, you could, in theory, go twelve and zero. Where if you play a conference game, it's six and six. You know, like everyone's get like half the teams are getting a loss. 
So that's like that's what I've always had an issue with with the nine. But it's but it's power five. I mean, it's not like you're gonna go twelve and zero um, if you're playing that many games. But okay, well, yeah. In, in theory, you might go you nine could. and three. You know, in theory, you could. You're not you're not spreading losses around to the league as much. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, all those things I like, David, that are like these capitalist views. They're all happening now. Everyone, all you people out there that have been crushing uh, me, all this stuff. That you don't like it. Guess what? It's happening. Um, expanding access to something—that's not—that's not capitalist. Come well, but whatever my views were, like if you want, well, whatever you my like, views were, they were to, good. No, like yeah, but I assume because what the way I like, you know, they want to make more money, whatever. Like it's a capitalist. Yeah, you're thing. expanding entitlements. That seems right. Sure, but whatever it was, however you want to like categorize. Uh, what yeah, my no, views. I mean, look, I. I I think I knew, and I think everybody who was making the argument knew it was always going to be a losing argument uh, because money, money is going to push mm. all of the stuff forever. Money, money, money. Um, but that's why I don't know that necessarily nine to eight is going to happen because money is going to push everything forever. And you know what makes a lot less money? Playing like Fresno State versus playing Oregon. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see if that part happens. I think the getting rid of divisions could. Yeah, we'll see. So that's being talked about. Um, I'm sure we'll get some insights to that in uh, you know late July, Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, George Klyovkov starts uh, July 1st. Um, there's also something else starting July 1st. Maybe we'll skip to this right now. Name, image, and likeness uh, is kicking off then. So six states, I believe. But the NCAA basically came out and said, like, we're, yeah, we're not going to really enforce it. So like if if California started doing it, like they're not just because you're not a state that, you know, they didn't want the inequities. Um, and I think it was Braden McCullough and the LA times reported that it could be expedited here. Cause you know, California started it all right, mm-hmm. but it's not till 2022 or 23. I forget what it is, but his, the, the quote he had, um, it was from Nancy Skinner. Uh, she's a Senator. Uh, the result of all these States joining our bandwagon is that California colleges could be at a disadvantage and our own student athletes wouldn't be able to enjoy the rights. We want to give them, until years after other states. So Senator Stephen Bradford uh, is a Democrat from Gardena, and I, Senator Nancy Skinner, decided we'd better fix that. So it looks like we might get some, you know, the timeline moved up, which, why not? If there's states doing it right now, you you were the first one out there. You don't need to be one of the last ones to implement it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's going to be some obvious advantages for, um, I think, the California schools due to proximity to major media markets yes. for a bunch of this stuff anyway. Uh, but getting on the same timeline is going to be huge. Um, yeah. And I think just, uh, frankly, West Coast schools in general, but I think the California schools in particular, not as if the California schools need a ton of help in uh, recruiting and acquiring talent, uh, but this certainly will. Yeah, especially UCLA. They're just crushing recruiting. Uh, uh, Chip will, Kelly. Yeah, just, just You know what? <laughs> they're doing a little bit better right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, like it, it's effort, right? You try to recruit and then you You try recruit. a little bit, but frankly, it's, uh, it's Jerry Neuheisel. It's those jeans, those Jerry, those New Heisel jeans. <laughs> you get gloves, you get some, you know, that New Heisel yeah, magic. That New Heisel voice. Uh, if you ever hear him talk, he's an exact, like an exact mimic of really? his father. That's funny. It's freaky. What's his role? What's his uh, wide receivers coach? He's a wide receivers coach. Okay. Yeah. Oh, because um, Jimmy Doherty went to Arizona. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I met Jimmy Doherty. He was a really nice guy. I think we follow each other on Instagram. No, oh, that's nice. Yeah, but then I think I never. He's a J I M M I E. He's one of those Jimmys. Yeah, yeah. That's an uh, odd Jimmy. Yeah, he, he had. He, I think I might have talked about this. He, like he, like we met whatever at a bar, and he had like lived like a block away from me. 
at so, at some point, but then we never like got together or whatever. But um, I love all your stories are like personal anecdotes about these people, and me is making fun of their names. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he's was, he was a super nice guy, great family. Uh, so wish him well at Arizona. We got to talk about uh, the rival to his new school, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> we talked about this last week. Um, I mean, just like the one of the more bizarre, like how could you let this happen? And it seems to be getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Pete Thamel's come out with new stuff uh, as far as like the package that Arizona State Compliance got. The photo in it really looked like it was Herm Edwards with a top 100 recruit around the program's weight room during the dead period. Um, I guess it was the same whatever kind of hat, bucket hat or whatever it is that he would wear. It was from behind, though, so you didn't know for sure, but it pretty much was a photo of Herm Edwards like with this. So the head coach was, you know, according to the you know, Thamble's report, the head coach knew what was going on. But Bruce Heldman, uh, our friend, came out today. So Gene Boyd is basically like the number two athletic director at, you know, behind Ray Anderson. Uh, he's the GM of football. Um, and what he said, he's the deputy athletics director who oversees Arizona State football, was made aware of potential recruiting violations during the winter. A former athletic department staff member told The Athletic. The staffer did not know whether Boyd investigated the information or kept it to himself. Obviously, if you got like the number two guy in the athletic department knowing that you're committing these recruiting violations and, you know, health, <laughs> you know, morally, like you're, you know, there's issues there as far as like the, the health of the country. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that could be a lack of institutional control for sure. So it's uh, another, another blow to Arizona State, I would say. The question at this point, I mean, I know there are still some ASU diehards who are holding out that this is all like, or at least somewhat co- like concocted, um, especially like the Herm involvement. I, I think any neutral observer is recognizing that like most of this almost certainly is true. Um, like there's, mm-hmm. it, it's unlikely that this is uh, even mostly fabricated. Yeah. Certainly there could be some ax grinding going on, but not in large part. Uh, and if that's true, um, the question is, what is ASU going to do? Not what the NCAA is going to do, because who knows? It could take them a while. It's whether ASU is w- going to want to take proactive steps at yeah. this point uh, to mitigate any potential damage from the NCAA. Um, and given how quickly the information appears to be being acquired by the NCAA because of whoever this whistleblower is or whatever who prepared this dossier multiple whistleblowers potentially yeah yeah, multiple whistleblowers who are all dissatisfied with potentially antonio pierce um uh i'm it's going to be a question of whether asu responds the way uh arizona did which is uh drag your heels and Mm, hope that you can screaming yeah, yeah and hope you can go all the way or whether they're going to respond proactively clean out the staff and um throw themselves at the mercy of the ncaa I think given the optics of this, it's much more likely they do that than Arizona uh, did with Sean Miller. Um, because yeah. this, given the, the it's not just the um, the violations, it's the, the politics. And not I don't mean like the Democrat versus Republican, but like the, uh, the fact that this is a larger issue that has more impacts beyond football. It's COVID, uh, which impacted everybody. And it's bad for the optics of the university as a whole. True. And yeah. the university itself is a, is a much bigger enterprise than its athletics. Um, yeah. And so they're going to want to alleviate any potential damage there. So I'm, I'm still wondering whether Herm's going to be there in August. 
Yeah, I guess Wilner threw out a timeline of July 1st, another big date in college football, because after that, like, you can't transfer and, like, be eligible. So, because, you know, everyone's, most people are starting their summer workouts. Like, so if if they were going to do something, it might not be till after that date, because then you could have a whole bunch of guys, like, just leaving the program. Uh, but if there's inklings that they would, the problem is, I mean, like you said, I, I you know, we love the Arizona state diehards and, uh, it just seems there's a shitload of smoke. Like I, it, it would be hard to imagine that most of this is not true. If not all of it. I mean, just the, the people that are reporting on it that you trust that are like, they're not going to say stuff, you know, knowing that it's not true or I, I have any chance of not being true. I mean, I think they're going to take, they've taken this pretty darn seriously, you know, um, but the, it seems to be like, this is a, you know, this is, they're all everyone in Arizona State's in lockstep. Like, Ray Anderson is running, like, this is their model. Like, this is what they wanted. Uh, a, a, a new leadership. This model. is a new leadership model. And I feel like, my guess is this is a circle the wagon situation. Like, without a doubt, uh, that they're not going to come out and go, you know what? Like, the, who would it be? The president, Michael Crow? I mean, these are all, everyone's like connected, you know, like, these are, these are your boys. And they got rid of the people that weren't on board. And those are the people that have told on you. Everyone else is on board um, or we're afraid to get fired or whatever. So it just seems like this goes so high. It would have to be like the president, the athletic director, like Herm, like everybody, like, you know what? We did this. This was wrong. We're going to walk away. And I just don't see that happening. I think there's going to be a fight. And really knowing that this could be a, a really good Arizona state football team. Do they want to try to like ride this out and get a good season in and then make changes afterwards? I don't know. But if, if Herm's going before, you know, Arizona state's that, you know, a, a, a pick to win the Pac-12 South and, you know, potentially win the Pac-12. But if there's going to be significant change to the coaching staff, I think everything's, uh, you know, it's going to, you know, this is seven and five all over again. Um, I think they want to avoid that. But are you basically just buying time until the shoe drops? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think this next month is going to tell the tale um, if they're trying to write it out or if uh, if uh, they're going to cut bait. I don't know if I, I don't know ASU structure at all. I don't know if there's a board of trustees or anything like that that has some sort of role here or oh that they could uh, go hey you know. or whether I don't even know what Arizona's system is whether they have like a regent system like California does um for the university of california does but um i wonder if there's somebody higher than crow who could be or even just donors i mean more than likely donors don't care but um it'd be interesting i'm I'm interested to see how this all plays out yeah i mean and i think feldman indicated in uh like one of his podcasts that this could be you know there's ties to southern california with the seven on seven circuit like there could be other schools that are involved i just feel like if there's other schools involved, it's not going to be to the extent. I mean, who knows? Maybe there is more to the, the extent of here, but like this seems to go right to the top, right? Like this seems to be everyone was on board. This is how we're going to do things. Uh, it's just, it's just head scratching. Like there's things you can cheat at with a, a pretty decent chance. You're not going to get caught. Like this is one of those things. If you wrote it down on paper, like, okay, so we're going to get rid of anyone that's not on board with this. Okay. They're going to be potential witnesses against us. We're going to bring in all these recruits that we're not going to sign 85% of them. Mm-hmm. They could all, you know, and, and when they want to go to school, the NCAA can say, Hey, you can't go to school unless uh, you tell us what happened. Um, 
there just seems to be a lot of loose ends here. The chances of getting caught if you like wrote out a business plan for this cheating model would be like chances at the end uh, extremely high. You know. <laughs> like, well, that's one thing that's so upsetting about it is how bad they were at cheating here. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're gonna cheat, be good at it. I'm sure the SEC was hosting visits during this whole time, but you don't hear anything about it because yeah. they're good at it. Don't be bad at cheating too. Ugh, so crazy. Um, well, speaking of the NCAA, we all like talking about Supreme Court stuff, right? Like, uh, love it. One of my favorite Judge things. Judge Kavanaugh, like whatever. Like, uh, the NCAA got absolutely dunked on by the Supreme Court. And listen to any national pundit uh, on this. Oh, I have a quote here from Dennis Dodd. Truth is, there's no minor legal uh, contentions with the NCAA. It exists to be sued these days. It it chose to go all the way to the Supreme Court over laptops because it can, because powerful people like to stay in power, no matter the consequences. Monday, the NCAA got slapped down in perhaps the biggest, its biggest legal defeat. So this was like uh, people wanted uh, school expenses, like, hey, we can give student athletes a laptop or other, other things like that. And they fought this all the way. And the way it came out of the, the way they not only did they lose nine zero, which is like unheard a, of these days, a beatdown, uh, bipartisan, just absolutely crushed. It just seems to open. It was almost like the the Supreme Court was basically daring everyone to go. Every lawyer in the country, you could sue them because they're doing some well, screwed up it, shit. Even in the opinions, they were welcoming more challenges that were broader in uh, perspective because this was relatively narrow. Um, they were opening it up for more challenges. Yeah, uh, they want more challenges because they want to continue to strike this down. Because, um, as literally everyone agrees, I wonder if this will change some opinions of various people who are like, uh, you know, more on the conservative side who have said kids don't need to get paid for playing college football. Yeah, the fact that um, uh, one of the more conservative Supreme Courts of our time. Just rocked this down 9-0. Uh, yeah, these kids need to get paid because they're workers. Um, and compensation should happen uh, beyond what they're getting in scholarships. Yeah. And I and I think what the NCAA fought, and uh, I think Dan Wetzel had a, a good column. I mean, if you listen to any of the, their podcasts, any of the national pundits, like everyone's dunking on the NCAA. But the, it just seemed to be like the, the consensus I got from it all was, the NCAA was so greedy that they they weren't going to budge. They were just going to kick the can down the road. They were going to fight this as much as they like. They could have addressed this twenty years ago and been in a place where name, image, and likeness was a thing. Reasonable uh, benefits around your you know it was a thing where you wouldn't be talking about making college athletes employees and stuff. But you fought this for so long. It's like it's going to be way worse than if you sort of like you know let the dam, uh, you know, drain a little bit. Like it's just built up, built up, built up and it might just bust through and crush everything. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm pumped. Uh, I'm pumped too. Uh, yeah, we'd all love to see the NCAA go down. If I never have to see another commercial about these people are going pro and something other than sports, like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. I'd take that. Uh, who knows what would the chaos that would ensue, but you know, I don't know, but it would be pretty awesome. It's it's insane to me that the NCAA is in charge of like rowing and a like whatever the NCAA, whatever NCAA football is, a multi billion dollar industry. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's insane to me. Hmm. 
The NCAA can handle all of the sports that don't make any money. That's fine. Yeah. Create all the rules you want in the bylaws and the guidelines, whatever. But the, the sports that make money should be governed by something else. Right. The, the millions and millions of dollars they fought to not to save millions of dollars from not being, you know, it's yeah. just, it's freaking bizarre, but whatever. It's crazy. I got one more note. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else, David. So Washington and Washington State, they're both approved for full capacity. So USC, UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona. Um, I, I haven't heard about Utah or Colorado. I Everyone will be full capacity. I think it's going to be full capacity, but uh, yeah. those are the latest two, I guess. Anything else you wanted to chat about? Not even a little bit. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and answer your questions. Ran out and uh, got some beers for us at the break. David. I, w- I really wish you had. <laughs> we'll have beers soon enough. Um, we got some questions and uh, another long voicemail from our buddy Perk. You want to start with that? Let's start with Perk. Here we go, Perky. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, I know on one of the questions last week, I think it was comparing UCLA to Washington. Dave kind of touched on, um, or I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was Evan's question comparing UCLA different teams um david mentioned cal uh football and how they really didn't perform all that well over their history it was primarily the tedford area where the tedford era where they were really good um and i was wondering if cal is one of those programs that's fair to lump into a program in both football and basketball that should probably perform a lot better than they do um i've kind of always gotten the sense that that uh is the case i know they're not gonna pluck more kids out of southern california the way USC and UCLA do, but I feel like the recipe that Tedford had of, you know, getting the occasional um, good recruiter so out of South um, Southern California and then holding down Northern California, um, they were a really good team, and I feel like Cal should be able to do that on a regular basis. Um, and I feel like the same thing for basketball. I think Northern California has a decent base that they can pluck from, and it seems like they just don't. And I don't know if that's a situation of they've just hired bad coaches or – um, Cal really isn't the school that I guess I would regard it as um, athletic-wise. Uh, and then I just had a quick U.S. history question for Dave. Um, in terms of bad wars that the United States shouldn't have been in, Vietnam really seems to steal the thunder, and it seems like the Iraq War isn't really talked about or discussed. Um, and I was wondering why you think that is. Is it primarily just because it was relatively recent and people don't know all the impact of it yet? Um, or is there something else going on? Anyway, thanks, guys. Jeez, Perk. Wow. Okay, so we'll start with Cal uh, (laughs) as an easier one. Um, I I, I agree with you to an extent. I think Cal, uh, you hear about the lack of institutional investment from UCLA. I think Cal is even a further rung down the ladder from that. for sure. Um, I think there's just a lack of overall commitment to athletics at the university. Um, I think it's still existing in a lot of ways. Um, And so... I think you've seen some also ran hires over the years. Uh, they got lucky with Tedford um, that he turned out to be an absolute stud. But I think you saw with Tedford what a good coach can do at Cal, which is win big. Um, Cal is one of the schools in the league where if you get a good coach in place, the potential is to be a near elite program. Um, and that's what Cal was for, I don't know, a period of four years in there probably. Mm. Um, they have that potential. Um, it's the Bay area isn't, um, it's not Southern California, but there is some strong talent that you can find up there. Um, and it's certainly possible for Cal to build the power again in the future. They just, 
they need institutional buy-in. Um, and I think that's been lacking in the past. And Cal basketball has had some upswings over the years, um, but it's the same deal. Uh, just I, I think a series of bad hires and then also just uh, that lack of overall commitment to the program. Yeah, I would agree with you on the, the Cal stuff. I mean, we've seen with like Wilcox, like they've done some things well, like they've played good defense, but maybe not do you know the other side of the ball. But, you know, I, it's you can get the right coach. And even if you don't have buy-in from the rest of the university or the athletic department or just not as much buy-in, you can still make some magic happen. You get the you know you get an Aaron Rodgers, you get a Marshawn Lynch. Like you're getting guys that can be difference makers. Deshaun Jackson, whoever it is, like yeah, I mean those are big time. I mean to get Deshaun Jackson out of Southern California when you know Pete Carroll's recruiting down there, like that's you know that's big time stuff. Cal can do that again, um, and you would hope that there's going to be more. I mean they were fighting over just what well, should the stadium even exist? <laughs> you know, like there was. There's some weird stuff that was going on up there, but you know, hopefully there's going to be, uh, you know, improved buy-in, uh, and you know, you, you hope Justin Wilcox can keep moving that program forward and uh, be able to do some things, and we'll see. But that, I think it's a program that does have a lot of potential. No idea about basketball because I don't know about that. But yeah. Um, as for the the Vietnam and uh, Iraq War qu- uh, question, I do think it's mostly uh, uh, a factor of time. Um, I think some people um, look if if you if you went through um, U.S. history in high school, where'd you end? Vietnam, right or thereabouts? Yeah, probably not much. You after. didn't learn anything of like the '80s and Reagan. You didn't learn anything of that stuff because it was too recent to even be in the history books. Uh, I think you know the Iraq War is not in the history books right now um, that kids are actually learning about in high school. So to be uh, knowledgeable about it, it's not something that you um, internalized young. It's something that you have to be like active and aware about. Uh, now, if you are, um, I, I don't know if there's universal agreement on it, but I think everyone is kind of on board with the idea that it was uh, it's a bad war. Um, I think everyone generally agrees with that. My opinion on it is it's the greatest crime of the 21st century to this point. Um, completely illegal war. Uh, George Bush should be in jail. Uh, everyone involved in that decision to go to war with Iraq should be in jail. Um, there's a million dead Iraqis because of what we did. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a it's a crime, uh, certainly on the order of uh, Vietnam. Um, but given um, given how completely unjustified it was, I, I would say it's worse. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Vietnam was bad, um, but it was an ongoing struggle for about 20 years, and it was all part of the anti-communism nonsense, um, and very bad. Um, but it, it, <laughs> Vietnam, there was a much more capable adversary. Um, Iraq, we were um, an occupying force basically just devastating a country for many, many years. So, uh, so David's on the fence about this one. Long story short... Um, it will be thought of as very bad and uh, potentially the equal of uh, combined with Afghanistan, which I think we are now officially out of or nearly, uh, though I've been hearing that for, so. for years and years yeah. now. Um, both of these things just completely unjust, done almost entirely for economic reasons uh, that have nothing to do with um, um, the purported um, reasons for actually going in. Um, evil. All right. So, Perk, you got your, you got your answer there from... Uh, listen to the blowback podcast. It's a it's a modern history of the Iraq oh, War. Okay. Uh, well, do you want to jump in with uh, the ASU relegation question? Let's do it. 
All right. Uh, this is... Wait, where is it? Who is it? Uh, John and Brea. Hang on. Do you want me to pull it no, up? No, I got it. I, got, I mean, I got it right in front of me. I got it right here. Okay. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I was born and raised a USC fan, and I attended ASU. I'm so happy to find out that ASU is stepping up its cheating in an attempt to finally compete at the highest level in college football. Since the last face mask was grabbed by Frank Cush, ASU has been playing nice, and look where it's gotten them. However, it's embarrassing and frank- frankly reprehensible that Ray, Herm, and the gang chose the COVID pandemic as the time to get started. The motivational energy and stirring living room speeches ring pretty hollow right now. This wasn't about thumbing your nose at a bureaucratic sloth like the NCAA. Rather, the health, safety, and ultimately the lives of players, staff, and their families was at stake. I'm an alum, and I would support showing the entire staff the door and replacing them with some people that know how to cheat in a smart, respectable, and responsible way. A hundred percent, John. Uh, A quick note on relegation. I love the idea of the Mountain West and Pac-12 getting together with a relegation model. What a great opportunity for a 10-2 and University of Arizona team to win the Mountain West and make the new 12-team playoff as a team one year removed from relegation. Lastly, in the spirit of summer off-season fun, can each of you please tell us about the first car you owned? I'm guessing Dave had some sort of hatchback, and Ryan drove a small Nissan or Toyota pickup truck. Thanks, and have a great summer, John and Brea. Hey, John. Yeah, I love that, you know, supporting a, I mean, cheating a better way than... Yeah, just, uh, look, we're all, I'm I'm supportive of funneling money to players as much as you want to. Please do. They need it. Uh, Just be smarter about it, and don't do it during the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. So that was a great point from an ASU alum. Thanks, John. Uh, the relegation, I, I don't think, I think with the relegation, it's like you wouldn't be eligible to make the playoff if you're in the lower division, right? I would I would say just because you win the Mountain West, that well, would just it get would you be, back it, up. It would be a one-to-one relationship, and it wouldn't be dictated by the NCAA. If there was a true relegation system throughout college football, then yeah, you're probably right. But if it's still subject to the terms of the proposed playoff model, then yes, Arizona would be eligible. Oh, okay. That would be interesting. Um, my first car, I've never owned a truck, uh, John. I'm not sure where that would come from. Not, not ever been a truck because guy. Because you're a conservative. Oh. Yes. Okay. He's, and he's saying, um, he's basically saying I had a Subaru. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, I had, so my first car in high school was a Chevy Cavalier that I think was worth, it was, all we had to was stick shift. So we had to learn, I hated learning to drive a stick shift, but now I love it because I, I like driving stick shift. But um, I mean, it was, uh, it was like sort of a rusty color. I don't know, maybe like kind of a reddish maroon kind of thing. I don't know, it was not, uh, it was not a pretty car. It might've been worth a couple grand or something, but uh, I worked at the grocery store, like since I was 15, saved money. I got hit. Uh, it wasn't my fault. You know, you're a 17 year old kid driving. Like you're probably at fault most of the time. Mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, luckily I was not at fault. And the insurance company like gave me, I think like $2,400. And it was just really like the front quarter. I just kind of, I, I think I put like uh tissue paper on it, like toilet paper on it, like a band aid, and kept driving around. Uh, yeah. But I went to college. And so I like, they didn't let me have a car. I think I might've been 18. Like when I, my senior year, when I go to college, my sister's two years younger. She gets the, they give her it right away when she's 16 and she was a terrible driver and she, right. she wrecked it. And I was like, yeah. I was so pissed. I was like, yeah, I'm a freshman in college. Like you wrecked my car. Like I, I got in an accident and I made money off of it and you like, ugh, like whatever. But that was my first, it was just, a Chevy Cavalier. She's a bad capitalist. She was bad. She, was did, a, she didn't make money off of the car wreck. A little Chevy Cavalier hatchback is what I had. Stick shift. Uh, my first car um, and several, I, I would say my first three cars were all hand-me-downs. Uh, my first car was a 94 Plymouth Voyager. 
beautiful Ooh. minivan. Gorgeous car. Love that thing. I think of the cars I have uh, either gotten or owned, the 94 Plymouth Voyager is my favorite. Really? The first one? Yeah. Because uh, you can fit a lot of people in a minivan. You can fit a lot of your friends in a minivan. And it had like surprising power. It was like a V6. Oh, okay. V6 in a minivan? You can go in that thing. I got that thing up to like 110 on the freeway. Wow. Impressive. I'm just saying. Minivans, they get a bad rap. Good cars. Good so car. Your first car being a minivan, but you could take all your friends wherever you wanted to go. Exactly. It's a perfect car for high school. Perfect car for high school. Yeah. Because you can take everyone to the beach. You can take everyone to the baseball game. You can do everything. That's, I mean, I never thought of that way. Like, that's a, you know, you make fun of the the family, like the, the guy that's like holding out, holding out. Oh, I got two kids now. I'm getting a minivan. But as a high school kid, oh, it was great. You crush it. I loved it. Uh, then there was the 97 Ford Escort, uh, which was a very tiny car. Hmm. Um, that uh, I was driving to my brother's um, in Simi Valley on Christmas Eve, going down Sepulveda Pass um, on the 405, and it blew out the back left tire and uh, completely spun around in the middle of the freeway. <laughs> um, good car. Good nice. Car. You, you mentioned the year. I don't remember the year of my Cavalier, but I mean, I graduated from high school in 1989. It could have been a '70s car, like it mm-hmm. might. Maybe it was '80 80 or '81, but it could have been a '70s car. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I had so I had the '94 Plymouth Voyager, '97 Ford Escort, uh, 2003 Saturn wagon. Ooh, I liked Saturns, and then they kind of went away. Yeah, and I never then, had a Saturn, but I liked them. And then my 2015 Honda Sonata. Uh, I never had a. It was tough being in LA, East Coast kid, and never had a car in college. Until my senior year, I I got a job at Hughes Aircraft Company like after my junior year over the summer. So I needed a car, and it was like a fifteen hundred dollar car. But it was a Hyundai Excel, like I think it was a hatchback again, and, you know, stick shift or whatever. Drove the crap out of my college roommate uh, had a Honda, like something like a Honda Accord or some crap like that, and was going to borrow my car one day, and he did, but he didn't take my keys, and I'm like. How did you take my car? He had put his Honda key in my Hyundai and it worked. So that was weird. Um, and by the time the end of my senior year, like the car just died. And I remember me and my friends pushing it down. Like it wasn't Figaro, but went some street around USC to a, like a, a, a garage. And I got like $300 for my trip to, uh, I was taking a trip to Europe, like a backpacking trip to Europe after graduate. So pushing my senior year car into the garage. I remember that. That was, uh, Beautiful. That was good stuff. Beautiful story. Uh, nice. Uh, my my one of my best friends in college. He had a Jeep, like no doors, no roof, and you didn't even need a key. You could just get into it and like turn the turn whatever the key would be. It just would work. So if you just turn it, it would start. So if you wanted to take his car, you could just get it. He put a a club on it, but it didn't lock. So you could just it looked like it had a club on it. But if you just wanted like you know you would close the club, throw it in the back. Turn the thing and it would start. So That's good awesome. stuff. <laughs> I love kid cars, you know. It's so good. Uh, all right. We got next one is Frank. Uh, Money Stream is starting to open. The Supreme Court ruling didn't kick down the door for blue chip football players to earn, uh, I think it means big money. But, ru- but bug, money bug money sounds so cool. <laughs> Maybe there was a thing I've missed. Is there bug money? Uh, big money. The ruling cleared only limited new avenues of compensation for college athletes, meaning. Schools could offer compensation beyond the cost of attending college, such as scholarships for graduate or vocational schools, internships, computer equipment, study abroad programs, 
in limited cash awards for athletes, potentially nearly $6,000 for now, uh, who do well in the classroom. That was a big parenthesis there. But the ruling has the NCAA on the run. I think top football and basketball players will choose big market schools where they can cut endorsement deals based on NIL. Frank and Sacramento. Those are two different things. Like mm-hmm. NIL is a different thing than, I think the problem the NCAA was saying was, yeah, you could give, like David Woods, you're our uh, star quarterback. You got a 2.0. You have an academic reward. Here's 10 grand. Like I think there's stuff like that that they were worried about that you could, and you know, here's a laptop. You know, here's a $5,000 laptop you could sell if you want. But this is for your your classes. Like that, They were just worried that it was going to be abused which it probably will, but that's very different than NIL, which every, I think most people agree you should be able to, you know, if David Woods is our star kicker and he wants to put a highlight tape up on YouTube of trick kicks that he does and make money off it, he should be able to do that. Right now he can't. I mean, cue the gif of the uh, little girl going, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they should be allowed to make money uh, from their schools and they should be allowed to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. This is uh, obvious stuff. That the Supreme Court obviously agrees with. It's it does open up. I mean, this isn't. I wouldn't say it's limited, Frank. But uh, who knows now? I mean, I think you know everyone's going to have new iPads with their playbooks on it. Everyone's. I mean, they're going to they're going to be able to do a lot of stuff for this. Yep, for show. Sure. All right, now we got Kyle W. Uh, this is a twelve team playoff. Dave and Ryan. Enjoyed your conversation about the 12-team playoff and the potential impact on the Pac-12. I think I need to side with Dave's take on this one with a preference to just leave things the way they are. To Ryan's comment about Oregon or Iowa State being the, quote, biggest game in Austin Stadium history, that pretty much answers the question just by saying that out loud. <laughs> Here's a question in response to that. Why doesn't the Pac-12 just keep the Rose Bowl? There is virtually no game in the 12-game playoff that will be as big as that. We are giving up a lot and not getting very much in return. It's funny, uh, I was watching Andy Staples' Twitter today. I don't know if you saw, but um, he's not a proponent of the top four teams not getting a home game. Part of the reason, and his hypothetical was like, USC comes in at number four and Ohio State's number one. They're playing the Rose Bowl. Like, that's that's the proposal right now. So Ohio State, you know, there's no playoff uh, type of bowl game in Chicago. It's Los Angeles. If you're playing even Oregon, whoever it is, and you got to come out uh, to the West Coast, Ohio State doesn't really get that. And the the bowl alignments would still be there, so you would be playing in the Rose Bowl. Um, So there's some disadvantages to that. Uh, What is his point about the Autzen Stadium thing? Like, I mean, a playoff game in Autzen Stadium would would definitely be one of the biggest games. It's a playoff game. Like, no, you don't think that would be a huge game? Like, bigger than a regular Washington game? Like, I mean... I don't know. I mean, a big time um, Oregon Washington game, or potentially, I mean, I don't know if any of the Pac 12 championship games were in Autzen besides the UCLA one. Um, but I don't know. Like, a, a, what would it be? Like a five versus 12 Oregon versus Iowa State first round playoff game? If, if uh, well, I guess, yeah, maybe like maybe it wouldn't be as big. But like when Ohio State was supposed to come this year, I would have said that's probably, you know, if it ends up being a relevant game, if both teams end up being good, that would probably be one of the bigger games in the Oregon's history, right? Home games, I would think. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, I could see the argument. For the I, th- national I, I, championship think, I think his point is like if Oregon, Iowa State is one of the biggest games in Austin history, it's whatever. It's Oregon, Iowa State. Who gives a shit? Um, 
I, but they, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it would be a big deal if Oregon's that good. They probably got a Heisman candidate somewhere. Like there's, I mean, there's a there'd be a lot of factors on the on the line. You know, winning a a playoff game at home. Like I don't know. I still think it'd be a big deal. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm I could go either way on it. I'm ambivalent. Kyle, thanks for the question. I was just in Carlsbad uh, this week. Played some some golf down there at the La Costa Resort. Got one of those. You buy one of those things where you can like, for the price of like half a round, you can play all day. So I did that for a day. It was fun, and I was god awful. I was sucked. So. Was it because you were very drunk? There was the hangover factor. Was probably part of it. Got I, it. I keep golfing when I'm like not slept. It's like I probably shouldn't do that. You know? No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. also taking lessons, which so they change things. And I'm not like really practicing. I'm just playing more. And I, you know, the guy's like, you got to practice this because you can't just like try it on the course. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I'm an idiot sometimes. So <laughs> but you're still out there golfing. It's fun. Uh, thanks for that one, Kyle. This is Sparky's roommate uh, with a couple suggestions. Uh, Ryan and Dave, I hope I remember to remind you as we get closer to the season, because of course you'll need reminding, especially you, David, especially you. Uh, but for the picks, Whoever's in the lead should always pick first. If they don't, then they could basically always just copy the losing player's picks and always stay ahead. We we, we don't do that. That hasn't been a problem. Like, is no. That, has that been an issue? But I, I get your point. Also, only the nerdiest of podcasts of champions nerds are keeping score at home or checking the website if it's on there. So it would be nice if you guys announced the game picking scores every week. Uh I think I do because I'm usually ahead and I like to tell everyone that. But when you're not, you don't. Fair. Yes. We'll see if David was paying attention, then he would know the score and he could announce that. Right. But I'm not going to. Right. So for four years, you got scores and then one year you didn't when David won. So in 2019, you didn't get much of updates because David was winning. I I don't think we need to talk about the distance pass. (laughs) Like 2020 when I won. Uh, Okay. So here's a weekly conversation with myself as I'm listening in the car. This is uh, what Sparky's roommate's saying. Me. Wait, who's ahead? Me. I don't know. What did they pick last week? Me. Ugh. I don't, fe- I, don't, I don't feel like listening to last week's episode again. Me. Check the website. Me. LOL. No. Do they even post a score on the website? Me. Well, regardless, I don't know what the score last week was. Me. Oh, Ryan just said he was winning. Me. Did he say by how much? Me. No. Me. Oh, well, then David is probably getting every pick right. Me. David's not correcting him, though. Me. Psh. I doubt he remembers what he picked last week either. And is David really the type to bother putting in the work to keep score himself? Me. Good point. Okay, thanks. Sparky's roommate. Fair. Good. Did I, did I read that poorly? I don't know. That's I like think a, you nailed it. It's like you say me every sentence. Is yeah, yeah. not wasn't easy, I'm going to say. No, no, it wasn't easy. You handled it well. <laughs> uh, and I think the points were fair. Jason. You would think it would be... Easier than that, but it was not. All right. This is from Brad in Portland. Future of divisions in the pack. Uh, Hey, guys. Last week, you talked about the new playoff format that conferences would make changes to get teams into the playoffs. I think the pack is a great opportunity to realign on how how they do things. Instead of being in two divisions, they could go to four-team pods. Each team would play the other team in the pod and then have two teams they play from the other two pods. The California schools would be in one pod, Oregon and Washington schools in another, and the Arizona schools plus Utah and Colorado would be in the last pod. That pod idea would schedule seven conference games. For the eighth game, you would either have an additional crossover pod game set up before the season, or you could do something like last season where the top teams play each other, one versus two, three versus four, and so on. What do you think? Thanks for the time. Brad in Portland. 
What I, one thing I would like about this is you pick, um, rather than doing one versus two, if you went to pods, do the top two pod winners. So whatever the top two pod winners are, because more than likely they're going to be two pretty good teams because you're eliminating one of these pods. Okay. So instead of having to be division winners, which, you know, you could end up with a eight and four ish type team, make it the pod winners. Because the, the odds of having two of the really good teams in one pod are, you know, slimmer. So you're saying for the championship game, yeah. take the top two pod winners. Yeah, the top two pod winners. Okay, so that would like lessen the likelihood of a f- eight and four. Of two. a truly also ran. Now, there's still a chance, obviously, but right. lessen the likelihood. Like if Alabama and Georgia are in the same pod, like, okay, you might, they might be the two best teams. Right, but play. you would do your best to, um, I think, split them up by strength. And Brad was saying... For the eighth game, so I, I wouldn't recommend that for the eighth game if you're going to do a championship game because you're you're trying to like you're putting one versus two mm-hmm. already like you're save that for yeah the just two. do an additional regular crossover for yeah the seventh game um, there could be the a long standing rival but I mean I guess that rotates so right. I I like the pod idea I mean I'm I'm cool with that I'm pro pods pro pods uh, not eating the tie pods like Gronk says right no we don't want to do that we don't eat the tide pods I. I don't usually buy like Tide Pods. Um, I had a friend stay with me and he brought some Tide Pods. So I started throwing them in my laundry. I usually just use like the liquid stuff. Just touching them. I can't imagine someone wanting to put that in their mouth. Like no. I, that was a real thing. Like it wasn't like just an internet thing. Like that actually happened. People put Tide Pods in their mouth. Was it? I don't know. I, I think they did. Maybe they're just goofing on me but yeah i don't know I, I i didn't really get into it because it was just people goofing on millennials like five years ago oh, okay uh, so i didn't really bother with it um you're uh, millennial right are you not i am okay. um but that's the thing also is like even then millennials were like 30 years old like yeah no all the stuff that people think oh that's millennials no it's those crazy little zoomers yeah. like they're, they're the ones who are nuts the ones who are like 22, like no, they're not millennials. No, we are the right? ones who can't afford to buy houses when we're 40. Uh, right. The okay. Zoomers are the ones who are crazy. Like yeah. they've got brain problems. Uh, millennials are just depressed. They've, they've got a ne- different set of brain problems. Right. The Zoomers, is that, is that, what's, is that what they're called? The Zoomers? The Gen Z. or Gen yeah. Z, yeah. They've never faced adversity in their life, right? Like they've never had no, to work. No, they've faced a ton, but they've responded to it by getting really, really idiosyncratic and weird. Okay. Um. No, they're going to be in the same boat as the millennials, but they're just like um, too too weird to even notice. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad we're insulting so many of our listeners out there. Oh no, it's great. Um, no, I mean, I could. I, you want me to get into Gen X? You want me to get into Gen X and the Boomers? Because I can. Oh, I'll go hard. Yeah, we probably don't need that. I'm a Gen X, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. People are like you're Boomer. I'm like, I think I'm like six or seven years from Boomer, but you know. Yeah. No, you're Gen X. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, you also solicited uh, Twitter questions. I did. I Do did. We, we got have, a I, we got a lot. Oh crap! Okay. Um, so let's. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah. All right. So we got one from Utah Punt Team. I specifically asked for no football questions, and yet this first one is a football question. Um, does a school's proximity to recruiting hotbeds matter less now with giant recruiting budgets and technology? Can this lead to an Oregon non-LA powerhouse where that might have been harder in the past? I mean, I think. Proximity is still, you know, location, location, location is going to be a thing. Like you could have, you know, I can do a virtual tour, uh, you know, on Redfin or whatever of some house, but like it's still the location of it's still going to matter. I think 
if you're, you know, there's going to be kids that just don't want to go that far from home, no matter how much technology is there. I think that's still going to be a thing. Maybe not as strong as before, but the, the, the home factor is going to be a thing no matter where it is. If you, you know, it's just, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's still going to be a factor. Um, if you're asking if it's going to matter a little bit less, I agree. Um, I do think it will. Um, and I think, but I, I think for a, a school to recruit uh, nationally in the way Oregon is successfully doing now, you still need to have an established brand. Um, Oregon spent a lot of time establishing a very unique brand uh, beginning in the mid 2000s and continuing to now um, with, you know, obviously Nike has played a huge role in that. But Chip Kelly being wildly successful on the field from 2009 to 2013 was also a huge part of it. Um, and I think that um, combination has made it so it's an attractive destination. Um, and on top of that, they, you know, invest a ton of money in it, too. And they've got good recruiters. Um, but you can't um, underestimate the fact that Oregon has become um a brand uh, in a way that it wasn't before like 2005. Um, and that's a huge factor in it. Um, I don't think if you just gave, I don't know, uh, if you gave Arizona a ton of money that suddenly they would be recruiting nationally um, in any meaningful way. Uh, you need you need to have something to show for it. Um, Oregon has had something to show for it, and they did it in a way that, like, re- that recruits responded to as like, oh, that's really cool. This is really swaggy. Um, and I think that's that's the bigger factor than the amount of money they're spending on recruiting. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for that one. What is, what's our next tweet? Uh, I've got one from Hithliday. Oh, I remember him. Do you buy the, quote, Antonio Pierce was running a sleeper cell of bullies and cheats theory that might spare Herm Edwards? And have you ever seen such a separate subculture form within a coaching staff before? I mean, this is the leadership model, right? Like he's a CEO, so they're going to have your, you know, your generals out there. Your, you know, whatever. I don't buy it for a second. Yeah, uh, uh, not a bit. Um, I mean, I, I think maybe to an extent, not the exact details of everything, single thing going on, but no. I mean, I've never seen a program run where the head coach is completely oblivious of the major things. I mean, uh, literally, visits are being hosted during a dead period, and you don't know about it as the head coach. No, sorry, that's not happening. That's that's false. No. I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the photo that's there, I mean, most, I would guess it's Herm Edwards. I haven't seen the photo. Um, yeah, I think he knew what was going on. Like the Antonio Pierce could have been the mastermind or this was his plan or whatever, but I, I would, my guess would be Herm Edwards was on board. Yep. Then we've got one from Danny V 23. Uh, why post a birthday message for your coach? If you're going to turn off the comments in it. So this was a uh, USC football Twitter account posted like a happy birthday to Clo- Coach Clay Helton, but wouldn't allow anyone to comment on it. Did did it start out as a no comments post? I, I believe, yeah, because there weren't any. So you you could only comment if you like were followed by the USC football account. So basically, if you're one of their friends, you could comment on it. That's stupid. It just seems like it's like either don't tweet it. Or allow the comments because you know if you everything they post about Clay Helton, like if I retweet something that Clay Helton says, like "Hey, congratulations to uh, Talanoa Funga for getting drafted," blah blah blah. Like all the comments are a lot of the comments are you should be fired, blah blah blah. Well, that's it, just it, like that's the reality of it. Frankly, but. you prefer replies to quote tweets. A quote tweet dunk is way worse and way more damning than a reply. Nobody right. sees your replies, but quote tweets get quoted to all of their followers. You don't yeah. want that. 
and it's, it's so like, easy to see the quote tweets now in Twitter's uh, system. You can just click the quote tweets thing. So it's the same deal. Oh, so if you click on quote tweets, it'll, it'll show, show you all the quote tweets, like all the people just dunking so on like, play. Yeah, so the guy that like retweets it, but like puts his comments on yeah. like Clay, get out or whatever, yeah. like something like that. Like the only way I ever retweet anything, right? You yeah. check those, but if it was a some troll or whatever, some guy that has eighty followers, if you quote tweet a like a a big time you know account like. There's a lot more potential for them to see your quote. Yeah, tweet, I mean, right? it, well, it's both. Um, they can see anything you reply to, too. But the thing is, when it's an 80 account, 80 follower account replying to something, not even their followers are seeing that unless they follow both accounts. When you quote tweet it, you're quoting it to all 80 of your followers. Yeah. So it's it's. I mean, from a from a magnitude of impact, it's probably more so if you're closing replies, if you're like trying to manage like the PR of it. And when you get down to that, don't post a happy birthday message for a. Frankly, look, reality. Don't post a happy bir- happy birthday me- birthday message for any dude over the age of like forty. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Second, uh, don't do it for your embattled head coach. Yeah, it was. I mean, we'll see what happens in the Coliseum this year. But it got to the point in 2019, like they couldn't put. They couldn't interview Clay Helton when he would be walking out of the stadium because people would boo. They couldn't put like a picture of him up on the vi- like. They had to avoid the head coach because fans would react very negatively, and that's obviously a problem that you have. But if that's the thing, don't post a happy birthday message to your head coach. Don't do it. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got one from Python Idler. Dave, I'm on the East Coast. How do you watch Pac-12 football, assuming it's on at a godly hour? A bunch of people have missed this memo. Um, which we've discussed on the podcast and I've posted on the UCLA message board, but it still seems like that information is like trickling out to people. You're in uh, Atlanta, right? <laughs> I live <laughs> in California now, and I have since uh, April of last year. Yeah. So uh, I'm back. Not going, not going back there. No. I'm here for good. Uh, this is from Bert underscore Barras. What do you think about Champagne Larry saying that there should be an auto bid for the Power 5 conferences? Do you believe the Pac-12 is scared of getting left out of a 12-team playoff? We discussed that already yeah. on the show. Do you think the Pac-12 was scared of being left out? It just seems they dumb. would have been left out if this system had been in place last year. Right. In a pandemic year, we only played six games. Right. But, uh, but no, I mean, if you, look back, if you look back at the previous uh, years up to 2014, uh, the reality is the Pac-12 actually would have gotten in multiple teams several of those years. Um so I think the danger of them getting left out in a 12-team model is pretty slim. Right. This just seems like a stupid hill to defend. But, Very stupid. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Mike and Joaquin for, uh, is it beneficial for the Pac-12 to have the college football late game start no later than 6 p.m. Pacific time to possibly get more exposure on the East Coast? Mm, no. I think you yep. need the I mean, Pac-12 after dark's a thing. People don't like it. You need that window. And frankly... Um, you got to make this work for the people on the West Coast who actually want to watch. I mean, you can spend all day trying to attract a different market, trying to attract a market in China or trying to attract a market on the East Coast. The reality is um, whatever you can do to appeal to your bread and butter is going to be the most uh, cost-effective dollars and cents, efficiencies, yada, yada, yada. Um, So, yeah, you're going to need to find windows that are late at night um, that work for your fan base and that work for your teams so that they're not all playing concurrently. Um, so no, uh, you gotta, gotta keep up the late games. 
All right, uh, Zach Stewart. Oh, finally, we're out of football. Uh, you ready for this one? I'm ready. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're ready for this one. Are you ready? Probably not ready. Bitcoin. Let's hear the thoughts. Oh, God. I no, like Someone asked me about this. Uh, oh, I was expecting... Oh, my God. I was expecting like a Bitcoin maximalist right here. No, I really don't like... Uh, what kind of libertarian are you? I, I, I'm not opposed to it. I just don't know much about it. And like, you know... De- decentralized come on baby like it's definitely like i mean i i own an electric car and it's not because of like i just like it you know it's not because like i'm making some this is how you guys statement. get the gold standard back without actually having to get it if i felt like i was going to make a ton of money with bitcoin i would do it it wouldn't be some you know philosophical reason the like, only reason to use bitcoin i think is as a get rich quick scheme um because I, my opinion on it is it's nonsense um the whole thing it seems Just like nonsense t- top to bottom it feels like a ponzi scheme to me I, but you can make that argument about any currency the thing is it's a new currency how many new currencies are gonna uh last um i i just i, I don't buy it i don't buy it as a store of value i don't buy it as a currency it's I mean, I, I I don't, and I haven't dug into it to know enough about, but it's like maybe anal- analogous to like, hey, you're Catholic. Like, there's probably a lot of things wrong with I'm Catholic. Like, there's a lot of things wrong with the Catholic churches, but it's been around a long time. You kind of know it. Where you're like, oh, you there's someone created a new religion. If it's the you know, yeah, uh, the David Koresh, whatever, like uh, the, the Branch Davidians. Like, I don't really trust the religion that started like last year. You know, big. Maybe it's the right, really. Maybe it's right, but it, I don't trust that it's not been around for thousands of years. Well, and that's why the people who are real aficionados sound like cult leaders of Bitcoin, like the ones who are really, really into it. They sound insane. Like mm-hmm. they just sound crazy um, because it's very new. And like, look, they might very well be proven right. I am far from a like a fiscal or monetary like expert by any means. Um, it just it reeks of something that like. Most people don't actually understand, but think they understand or want to understand, and so they want to purport to understand what it is. Yeah. And then, um, like, got the amount of things were like, we're going to use blockchain, like five or six years ago, and like, then you would hear these people explain what blockchain was, and it was very clear they did not even understand what the hell they were talking right. about. Um, I just feel like the whole thing is kind of like that. And uh, someone mentioned like. Well, there's the environmental concerns. I'm like, it's like digital currency. What does the, I don't get it. But it's the amount of like energy you have to use to mine the shit. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, I, I don't understand any of that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, uh, wait, you're like literally using like mainframe computers to mine this stuff, which is actually just like debugging code or some shit. <laughs> I, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Why are we doing this just to make fake money? We're going to what? We're going to burn down the earth to make fake money? <laughs> like, isn't that perfect, though? Isn't that beautiful? When, I mean, I, I, like, it's sort of this thing. Like, I never, I tried coffee once in college, and I've avoided it ever. Like, this is something that comes up all the time. Like, everyone I know drinks coffee, and I just never drink coffee. I, I feel like this is an elaborate. Everyone talks about Bitcoin, and I just, I avoid it. I feel like it's an elaborate practical joke by, like, some time-traveling person from the 1890s <laughs> who was really married to the gold standard. And he's like... <laughs> Oh, you guys want to see fake money? This is some real fake money. See how you bitches do with this. Because, um, like, you know, the argument from the Bitcoin people is that, well, fiat money is also fake money. You know, it's not tied to any standard. It's just the, the government-backed currency. And there's important words there. Government-backed currency. Right. Because the money will say what it is based off what the government's power is. They can dictate what it's worth. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's uh, international considerations there, but they dictate what it's worth. 
And then you have controls like inflation. Um, All right. We should move on. No, we, got, we, I, we yeah, we no. got stuff. We have I could talk. I could talk half knowing about Bitcoin for a long time. Um, yeah. You want to do like a couple more, and then, or, or do we not? But we got more. more. We got, we got a lot more. Pick it. Just we got to get out of here. JT underscore O one. If each Pac twelve program was a film franchise, which one would they be? Jesus Christ, we can't do that right now. You don't think so? You don't think you have that in you? I, I there's beers waiting for us. Like, that's true. There's that's fresh. True. Fre- and, sorry, fresh sorry. Cut. That one's gonna have to wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna favorite it. Um, okay. Which means my likelihood of coming back to it is like uh, minimal. I never hang out with you. We have a, a window <laughs> to hang out in. My friend has fresh bluefin tuna. He caught. Uh, All right. Here's a here's a good one. Top three most attractive Pac-12 coaches. Oh, okay. Justin Wilcox. Good looking guy. Yeah. Okay. So we're rolling out. Just rule out some of them. Clay Helton, Chip Kelly. No, sorry. No. Not into it. Um, I'm going to hold Kyle Whittingham. I mean, there's a... There's a rugged mountain man right. to him. It's, 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 it would be an acquired taste, but there would be... Carl people. Durrell. He's a... David Shaw. Like Carl Durrell and David Shaw are both handsome men, but I think I'm going to go Carl Durrell. He's in better shape. Okay. Uh, so Justin? Justin. Carl. All right, then we got... We're going to first uh, name him. We got Cristobal. No. Uh, he's an offensive lineman. He can't be like I don't know. It's a mountain of a man. Yeah, that's that's the problem. You know, you're not into it. No, he just. I think he just posted like a. Uh, He'd be the big spoon with you. <laughs> he posted like a anniversary, um, like for his wife. Like he's definitely younger in the picture and stuff with uh, him and his beautiful wife. But no, no, Jonathan Smith. He's just like uh, like standard average. Um, yeah, he was in chess club or something. Like he's not that. Jimmy know. Lake, nah. Um, probably not. I'd go Shaw over Lake. Rolovich, no. Herm? Herm in his younger days, maybe. Herm's a good looking guy. Yeah. I like where we're like leaning African American throughout this. And I'd go no Jedfish. He's younger though, right? I don't He's younger. I mean, if it's just youth you're after. No. I mean, All right, so we're going Wilcox, Shaw, and Durrell. Okay. I like it. I love it. Okay. Um <laughs> Okay, I don't really understand that one. Uh, this is from G. Ross. Is P stored in the balls? <laughs> uh, I, no, it's in your bladder. Yeah, well said. <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say. Um, I don't all know right. what the joke would be. This but. is from Joaquin Fernandez. <laughs> Which Pac-12 coach would you feel comfortable leading your group in a zombie apocalypse? Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, oh, 100% Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, yeah. You know the, he's prepared for it. There's, there's, yeah, first of all, like if you were just like showed up and he'd be like, Oh, what's what's the uh, zombie? Oh yeah, okay. Let, let's go to this shed. Like if it was like something else, it would be a different shed. All right, so, so we're gonna rapid fire these to get through them, okay? Because okay. there's a lot more, but I want to get them done. Okay. All right, Katy Perry or Taylor Swift? Katy Perry. Taylor Swift. All right. Better songwriter. Uh, uh, I was just saying. Uh, okay. I was, there's different reasons I picked Katy. Yeah, Perry. you know, you are a um, you're an objectifier. <laughs> I like what? to appreciate the artistry. She is a very good um, songwriter, like she, and, and and super attractive. I love. I mean, I like tall. I like you know, but like, there's yeah. something about Katy Perry. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think she's a little less crazy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Thoughts. Thoughts on the Doodle dog breed. Uh, friends have them. Um, my former uh, writer Dan Wykey has one of the some Doodle. Like, I like. Is he one cool of the ones dogs. you fired or not one of the ones you fired? I, I joke that I fired him, but he left for the LA Times. Okay. He's uh he's a, the Laker beat writer now for the LA Times. That's so. nice. Yeah, he's good. Um I don't have any thoughts on the doodle. Uh how long was the first hug since COVID between you two? We didn't hug, we shook hands. 
Yeah, we can hug though. We can after a couple we'll, of beers. We'll, we'll, we'll hug. hug. We'll hug for yeah. a long time. We've sh- we shared a lot of uh, stories during this COVID. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, do you like uh, this? Is from six more W's. Do you like sleeping on trampolines? Never slept on a trampoline. I have. You have? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, did you like it? No, I can't say that I did. Okay. Uh, it's like a waterbed kind of thing, or that? No, 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 no. It doesn't feel like that at all. And if you're sleeping on it with multiple people. Um, you kind of depending on the weight of the different people, you slope. Oh, I'm a sure. A little bit. It's not great. Was this a thing? Like, is that like a? Like no, I don't know that it's a thing. Uh, but I did it once. It's very random, and that you have done it. Like, it seems like there was a yeah. reason why this was asked. It was a. Uh, it was like an overnight like hangout in high school. Oh. Um, and we were just goofing off. I love hammocks. I don't know if I could sleep on a hammock like full night sleep, but you I can, can nap. Try. You can drift in and out of a nap in a hammock. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, Mr. TPSM, if each Pac-12 program was a resort in Las Vegas, which would they be? <laughs> They're all the same. All the resorts in Vegas are the same. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, I was like, with the Bellagio and the Wynn, they're that so That said, different. Arizona is Treasure Island. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, Oregon State is Tropicana. Fair. Um, Washington State is the Excalibur with the Pirate. Yeah. Maybe that's Pirate, but no, actually, that should be Treasure Island. But, uh. What's one that's like a little bit run down but still has potential because it's mid strip? Like Harris? Mirage? Mirage. That's UCLA. Okay. Uh, USC would be uh, probably the Venetian because it's been surpassed by like the Palazzo, but it's still kind of upscale. It still has potential. You'd mm. still have to pay a lot of money to go there. Um, right? Yeah, I think that's good. Oregon's the Palazzo or the win? It could be, yeah, maybe Wynn or uh, Mandalay Bay, maybe. Stanford feels like Mandalay Bay. It's sort of off to the side. It's doing its own thing with a huge pool. Okay. Um, that's enough. We don't need to do it. Okay. All. <laughs> all right. Uh, then we've got, um, ooh, Death Row Huff. This is a good one to close out. Uh, actually, we've got a few more after this. Uh, <laughs> give me thoughts on Israel and Palestine. <laughs> Do you ever watch Rick and Morty? Uh, no. It's uh, it's hilarious. And they're, they're, season four just came out, but um, they always they they're like saving the world all the time. And the president calls them. They, they have a Barack Obama kind of president, but he's like big big black guy, like and uh, just ego maniac. And they always call him to like save the world and stuff. And then they get in fights and like they're Rick and the president are fighting in the White House. It's all this stuff. Um, it really pisses them off. One time, he's like, "President, your approval rating is one hundred percent." He's like, "Why?" He's like. Uh, Israel and Palestine signed a treatment like the really it's really simple if you just thought about it it's, it's like something like that like the really simple if you just think about it a minute peace treaty and uh, so he solved like Rick goes over there it's like smoking like an alien hookah pipe and solves like the Middle East crisis and pisses off the president it's like why did they do that because they're assholes it's pretty funny I'm not doing it justice but it was pretty funny I so, love it yeah I love it uh, but yeah so that would be my thoughts there's probably, <laughs> there's probably some agreement you can sign watch in. watch if, Rick and Morty yeah if, it, if you just think about it this, this agreement would probably make sense and we could get it done but things are very bad um, and um, I would invite everyone to think about how they would react if they and their family and two million of their closest friends were kept in an open-air prison for years hmm uh, this is from Gabe RN or Gabe M602. Have you ever reenacted the Revolutionary War? No. Uh, no. Do you hate the color maroon? No. My no. first car, I think, was maroon. Yeah. Like I said. What about Buffalo Blood Maroon? The, uh, I don't hate it because I really don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. 
On a scale of one to ten, how simp are you? Do you know what simp? I don't know is? what simp is. So, I'm going to look up simp in the adjectival form. So, I'm a not- simp is somebody who is um, uh, very uh, overly desperate for women, um, uh, or uh, overly um, accommodating. This is somebody uh, simping for somebody. It's, so a, it's an internet thing. Okay. So how simp are you? Is a I would so like say put I'm it like, on put it on a one to ten scale with ten being extremely simp. Can I give an example of being extremely simp? Um. Wow. Uh, constantly posting in the replies of somebody that you have never met who's a female on Twitter, like some hot chick on. That's okay. like that's simping. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I like I like the ladies, I, but I would say like I'd call I, myself a three or a four. Yeah, on I would a simp be on, scale. The, on the lower end of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly. Like, I mean, certainly, everyone's a simp at some level. There's um, there's people that have like extreme confidence and they'll go up to anyone and just. But start that's not to them. simping. Okay, that's different. That is, um, that's just maybe being a normal person. Uh, simping is doing it like in this kind of weird, awkward way. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm awkward enough. I don't need to like add to my yeah, awkwardness. Yeah. If you marry a Mormon, does that mean you are Mormon? Uh, I think to get married in the Mormon church, I don't even know if you can, like if you weren't, but I think you'd have to be to get married in the Mormon church, I believe. Um, maybe you'd be some kind of Jack Mormon. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think this is... I think you have to actually get approved or whatever. I don't think to it's get, a thing where you can just marry into it. Yeah, I think to get into like the Mormon temple, like to get married, I think you have to be like go through this stuff yeah you got to wear the underwear yeah the, yeah i think that's part of it yeah it is part of it like i have friends that were like grew up in the mormon church but then they don't really follow it so they call themselves like jack mormon but i don't think if you were marry a mormon you could like if you were a jack mormon you could probably marry a mormon you just you're a mormon but you weren't but if you weren't a mormon i think you'd have to become one i don't know our our, our mormon friends and listeners maybe you can help us with that i will say this can I say this? Sure. I've never met a Mormon I didn't like. Uh, I I think I would say the same. Yeah. Yeah. Very just. Yeah. I met a lot of super nice people. Yeah. Incredible. In Utah. Yeah. Mostly. Great. Where I met them, but yeah. I mean, probably not the ones uh, you know doing the like fundamentalist polygamous thing out in the like countryside. I haven't met them. No, I haven't met them because they're off doing their thing. Yeah. <laughs> the other ones are good. Yeah. Yeah. Great peeps. We love them. Uh, is that it? That's all I got. All right. That's all I got. So, yeah, I think there's enough there that we've probably drawn some hate mail. Um, so that's good. Well, if you want to talk about peace in the Middle East or yeah, no, I mean we talked. So I, I like I complimented and then Vietnam. backhanded the Mormons. Um, I'm sure I'll get some hate about the Israel Palestine thing. Uh, then we've got uh, the Iraq War. I mean, if there are any still holdouts who who liked that thing. You're you're pretty good at upsetting people, I think. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say I'm good at upsetting people. I would say I'm good at expressing my beliefs, which in some ways people disagree with vehemently. Which is upsetting people, yes. Yeah, some of them get upset. Mm, yeah. But am I upsetting them or are their beliefs upsetting them? You know what's upsetting me? I don't have a beer in my hand. <laughs> so let's get the hell out of here. Okay. All right. Uh, that is David Woods in freaking person right next to me. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 
Wow, that was loud.